coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. My kids recently have been playing with a neighbor boy. That little boy now comes up to our house to play. Says, let's play the who wants to kill your mom game. When we told him that we weren't going to be playing with him anymore, my five-year-old goes, yeah, it's really sad that he made that choice. I'll get you mom of the year, Tessa. Hey, what's going on? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. Show where we're going to talk about your mental health and your marriage and whatever you got going on in your life. Parents, kids, boundaries, the mayhem, just trying to get up and, and live a good life. And uh, it's just kind of hard to do that these days. It's not kind of hard. It is hard to do that these days. And that's the purpose of this show, is to walk alongside you. And it just so happens, I mean, I don't want to brag, but it's the greatest mental health and parenting podcast that's ever existed in human history but besides that (laughs) i was gonna say i promised to tell the truth and i didn't just tell the truth then but other than that statement my promise here is i'm gonna sit with you in the mess and i'm gonna tell the truth and we're gonna help you figure it out the the next right step here so let's go oh you want to uh go go kelly daniel like what do you want to do uh we are gonna do another questions for humans because they're still on the $10 sale. Still on the $10 sale. I wish y'all could hear the things she says in my ears. It's amazing. And by amazing, I mean like often I leave here and go straight to a, like a priest and just say like these, I heard this today. And he's like, you shouldn't be confessing. The other person should be. And I'm like, I know. And then I go straight from there to a therapist. What's up, Kelly? Okay. So I just want you to know that we like... 2,000 people this weekend at the event <laughs> that saw that I had no tattoos and now know that you lie about those things. I know. Just want you to know listen, that. Listen, America. She has them. She was super made up and done up. It was really kind of weird. Yeah, every morning I could have body- at 3 o'clock yeah, exactly, to put man. makeup on my 50 tattoos. Exactly. She was like a Marvel character this weekend. <laughs> all, all dolled up. All right. Today's question. Which famous person would be the most fun to ask these questions to? So who do you want to sit down with a box of questions for humans with and talk? Taylor Swift. Uh, yeah, no, my answer is not going to shock anybody in this room. <laughs> it is 100% Taylor Swift. Of all the people in the world. Of all the people in the world, yes. Why? Honestly, if you ever like she watch. She lives right down the street from here, right? Like, okay, if you ever watch any of her interviews, honestly, she is actually really funny. Like she has a good sense of humor and I just love the way her mind works and she's so smart. Like I, you're laughing, but it's true. (laughs) I would love to. I would also like to say Sarah had a really good answer. She said Robin Williams and I'm like, I could have stolen that, but I didn't because I'm true to myself and I'm going to stick with Taylor Swift. Benjamin? I'm going to go Stephen Colbert. I think uh, he would be really fun to do that because he's hilarious, but he's also got some great insights. He's very, very uh, smart. He's very—he's a nerd like me. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to pick Dave Grohl. Okay. Because oh, I think man. he's very smart and he's very, very funny. Yeah. And I think he would just have some great, I mean, think about with, you know, grunge and just, I think he'd have some great stories to tell. And I could see him being the kind of guy that would actually sit down and just tell you all these funny, crazy, wacky stories. What do you think, Nate Dog? Uh, I think that I would probably either go with Ryan Reynolds or Conan O'Brien. Both their humor really just slays me. Oh, I thought it was because like y'all haven't seen this, but Nate was changing in the back in the dressing room, and he has a huge tattoo of Ryan Reynolds on his chest, which I was caught off guard by. But he is hand that guy's good looking. I'll give you that one. You know it. 
I'll give you that one. I think we all kind of get that one. We're all like, yeah, that makes sense. But I like how you kind of twisted it just now to say like, not because he's a smoke show, but like he's really interesting and funny. So that's why you want to talk to him. He is funny. Yeah. And a smoke show. And both and. I want to have a table. Actually, I want to have, I would want to do these with Jesus. All right, besides that, <laughs> I <laughs> did you just Jesus wow. joke us? I wish you could see Kelly's face. That was incredible. That's why I did that. I want to sit down at a table, and around the table, I'd like to have uh, Rich Mullins, Tim Keller, John Stewart, Dave Chappelle, and Robin Williams. And I'd like to just sit down because I think there'd be a lot of you know who else? Phil Anselmo. I want the sing- lead singer of Pantera at that table. I want to just hear what you guys have to say about some stuff because y'all have seen the dark and the light. And I think that would be a, a, a fun interaction. That's what I think. In fact, I'm going to try to make that happen. That's not ever going to happen. Oh, boy. Hey, uh, real quick. Your five-star reviews mean the world. Subs- hit the subscribe button. Just hit the subscribe button. Please hit the subscribe button and pass this show on to people that you care about and for the greatest supplements that me and my family use almost exclusively. Go to thorn.com slash you, the letter U, slash Deloney for 25% off everything. Thorn.com, T-H-O-R-N-E, thorn.com slash you, slash Deloney. All right, let's go out to Houston, Texas and talk to Tony. All right, hey, Tony. How's it going? What's up, man? Thanks for taking my call. You got it. All right, so let me fill everybody in here. Um, Jenna, when, when was the when, when was this original call? Uh, my my wife called in a couple couple months ago. Okay, Your wife calls in a couple months ago, and. I made some sort of statement like, I, I wish your husband would call me, something like that, right? And then here you are? Yes, sir. Awesome. So, number one, you're a courageous guy. And I'm, it's, it's an honor to get to talk to you, okay? Most people shirk away and you said, no, I'll, I'll talk to that dude. So, good for you, man. The second thing is, was if I remember correctly, this call was about hidden money and emotional fit, like all kind of stuff. And I made some pretty bold statements that I didn't believe the story she was telling me or the story that you had told her that she was not telling me. And right. so you had the courage to call. So good for you, man. So let's, uh, let's just jump in. So tell me you heard the call and all that, right? I, I did. I've listened to it, uh, a bunch of times. Okay. So tell me, tell me what's going on in y'all's world. Um, I mean, am I to, to to recap or just just keep moving? Go move forward. Go for it, man. Recap it, and then let's uh, we can we can <laughs> figure out what happens next. Well, um, you know, it started by uh, you know me trying to start a company and um, the company not really generating as much money as I I needed it to, and at the time we had separate bank accounts. We we basically had a financial roommate situation where we pooled all our money for our bills and then all the rest of the money was just ours. So like what you made, what you made was yours, what she made was hers. Kind of, but all of our bills, our mortgage, our, our insurance, all that stuff, we just threw it all into the middle and then whatever was left was ours, which, you know, after going through the Ramsey plan, it was just a terrible thing (laughs) that we did for a very long time. Sure. Gotcha. 
And so you had, uh, did you have a separate business account for this business you were trying to start? Or would you yeah. just, were you just running out of the family checking account? Uh, that and credit cards and just trying to get it up off the ground. What kind of business I, was it? It's just remodeling. Okay. I build houses and I, you know, I can flip houses for people and, you know, there's a lot of money that churns in it. But if you, if you take an extra month on the project, you may not make any money. That's right. So did you find yourself having to get money for the next job to float this job and kind of get in that loop-de-loop? Yeah, Ponzi scheme kind of thing. And, and I didn't let it affect the household because I, I, I was so adamant that this thing was going to take off. So I took care of everything on the business side. But, you know, I didn't rack up $60,000 of debt at one time. It was a, it was debt by a thousand purchases. It wasn't these big purchases. And you were, you were right when you said that they were purses and trips and hotels. The only difference was, um, those were all purchases for my wife. They were to keep up the appearance that everything was going good because in my mind, I knew like right around the corner, I was going to hit this, you know, this big job and it was just going to wipe all this away and things were going to be great. And that, that big job never came. So whenever somebody tells me, Hey, I discovered this huge amount of debt that my partner has, my wife has it or my husband has it. And I ask what they spend it on and they can't tell me Oh, it was on a tractor or it was on like all of a sudden my house with my garage was just covered in DeWalt tools. Um, almost, well, I have that. <laughs> no, I, I bought that dude. So almost always, not a hundred percent, but almost always somebody's having an affair. Someone has something on the side and this money is just racking up and she never told me anything about it. suddenly she was getting all these gifts and, and things. She, she, did she just leave that part out? It wasn't that she was getting the gifts. It's that I never made her, it, we went from, our lifestyle never changed. So when my income dropped significantly, our lifestyle didn't change. And I was making up for that with, with credit. And when Christmas would come around, I would blow it out of the water like I had before and take until June to pay all Christmas off and then minimum payment, all the other stuff. And then, you know, after the Christmas was paid off, then if we wanted sushi or go to dinner or to do this or that, I, you know, and I didn't have enough like liquid funds I, I just have a hard time saying no to her. So I just would always take care of it. And so, so it wasn't a matter of you spending 60,000. Is that what the number was? 60, 80, something like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it went, it was a roller coaster. It was up and down and up and down. Cause okay. I would, you know, you get a job and then you spend a whole bunch of money on that job and you get another job and spend a whole bunch of money on that job. Right. Well, and then I went back, I went back to work for a home builder. So I had regular paychecks again and, and then I would do a big job, but if I did a big job and she knew how much I made, that money didn't go towards the debt that she didn't know about. It went into our emergency fund. 
So for, oh, here's ten thousand dollars. Oh, great, we can put that in our emergency fund. So, dude, and, you you sound exactly like somebody juggling women on the side. You know that, right? I I do, but there was no woman on the side until until six seven months ago, and it wasn't a a woman on the side. It was like we you know. I was in therapy before I was in therapy trying to get my wife to also go to marriage counseling. But do you, but do you, do you understand, do you understand that you're, you're, you're running this, this hustle on the side. You have literally a second life, a life that is failing financially a life that is covered up in shame and you're just scared to death. And then you bring that energy into your household. And your wife, do you have little ones? I do. Okay. Everybody feels that there's a machine running inside that dude's chest. And they start figuring out, it must be me. It must be something else. It must be that I'm not doing this enough. I'm not doing, and it gets, people just start, it starts with an inch. They just move a little bit away and a little bit more away. And then you feel that and you try to spin that machine even faster. They feel that they move further and further and further away. So this thing starts pretty innocuously. Right, it start. It starts like, oh, I didn't make it anything on that job. I lost two thousand dollars on that job, and then your heartbeat kicks up two beats a minute. It's a little more stress, and then a little more. Got to get another job. Got to get another one. Got to get another one. You get one, sweet, and then you end up losing five grand on that one, and it just builds and builds. And the whole time, when you're saying, "I want you to go to marriage counseling," you see yeah, how this was. This was after. She found out after the diagnosis, after she found out about the woman at work, um, I, I went back, I went back to therapy and then I wanted to go with her and she was, she was apprehensive and I, you know, I, when we had already gotten through the financial stuff, when, when the, the coworker stuff started. We had, she found out, we, we found the Ramsey plan. We combined all of our accounts. We cleared out all of that debt, including all of our cars and everything. Like we're, we're debt free except for the, the house that we have and the lot that we own. And, and we have a substantial investments and a substantial, you know, because she has a chronic disease, we have substantial, uh, Emergency fund. Hey, Tony. Tony. Yeah. Hopefully by now you know this isn't about money. I, I'm well aware. Okay. Yeah, because I, I... When she got diagnosed, I panicked because she, you know, there, there were complications and she was pregnant with my daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, immediately I, I went into... I have to do all the things that I can do to give her as much time with the kids as possible to do the things that I'm capable of doing. So I remodeled the house so she, we could have a, a nicer house. And, you know, I, I would try to give her every second with the, with the kids. And I drove a huge wedge in between us. Right. Where she, she's doing bath time. I'm doing dishes. I find out, you know, two years later, Oh, I wish we would have just could have switched off because what you're giving me is is hard. But I thought what I was giving her was was what could potentially be taken away. That's right. And that that wedge 
is what our our friendship not not our not our marriage but the, but the two of us being friends yeah and then that's where i i it wasn't even i wasn't even really aware of it that i was seeking a friendship outside of my marriage mm-hmm. and so bring me bring me to then, bring me to right now so i mean right now i've I've, I've printed out every, I've gone to the credit card companies and had them send all of the bank statements, all the credit card statements. Hold on, hold on. Let's, let's get before that. Let's get before that. Okay. What you have well, is, a, is a long pattern of trying to love your wife, trying to take care of your wife and your kids in the way that you think they need to be taken care of. Have you sat down with your wife and said, how can I love you today? Yeah, we've just recently done that. Okay. Because what you have is you've got four years or whatever the number is of trying to create a business that would make a jillion dollars. And I would even go as far to say is you want to be a successful entrepreneur, but just talking to you, I think you want to be a guy that gives your wife whatever she wants in the world. Yeah. And that you want to give your kids whatever they want in the world. So much so that you will ignore math. You'll ignore reality because I'm going to make this thing happen for them. Right? And then you want to be such a great dad. I'm going to make this house amazing for my wife and kids. I've heard her. I've seen what she's watching out of the corner of her eye on HGTV. I'm going to give her that. I see how much she's, how hard she's working with these kids. I'm going to make sure there's not a dish in the sink. I'm going to make sure there's not a scrap of trash. I'm going to take it out every day. I'm going to make sure the lawn is perfect. I'm going to do all this stuff for her because I love her so much. And she's sitting in there saying, God, I wish you would just come help with the bath. Yeah. Right? And so um, there's, there is, there does come a moment when people need friends. And coworkers, especially coworkers you're attracted to, that's that's a whole thing. It happens all the time. I'm not going to beat you up for that, okay? You know, right? Yeah, you it's know. just never happened to me. I didn't mean, ever I, expect to be in that situation. Nobody expects that, okay? And here we are. What I'm afraid is going to happen is you're going to quit because you've been working so hard for years. And all it's got you is a wife who doesn't like you. And kids who are like, ugh. Because dad's always stressed and dad's always exhausted and mom's always mad at dad and dad always, whatever. See, that's the thing. In the last two months, we've, we've gone to counseling. We've had, before we even went to counseling, we had that discussion about why what I was doing was dividing us. And we went to work on that. And I just stepped back and just treated her normal. Cause she said, well, you're doing all this stuff and you're treating me like I'm disabled. So I stepped back and I just, we, we just take care of everything together and things have gotten a lot better, but there's, you know, there's just, 
I just want to, I want to give, I want to be able to, like you said, I want to be able to make the ground underneath her solid and I want to make her feel safe. That's yeah. what I want. Perfect. Let, and, and, and let her no tell you, let her tell you that. Cause it's real easy to listen to that last call and be like, I'm going to prove to you. And maybe she didn't ask for you to prove to her. Or maybe instead of running out and printing off every receipt and spending hours and she's saying, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm just trying to get the, instead of that. Just to say, hey, I did something for years that was dishonest and wasn't true. And it doesn't matter why I was doing it because I was trying to give you the world. It doesn't matter. What matters is I did it and I'm so sorry. And then asking her, what is the next step that I can do for you to help rebuild trust? I'm going to let you speak into that. And for some folks, it's I need to see your phone every day. Okay. For some folks, it's, I need to see all the credit card. Okay. For some folks, it's every morning before you go to work, I want to look you in the eyes and we're going to talk about what we each need that day. Everybody's different. But the key here is where everybody's the same in this deal is you have to stop trying to solve all her problems or completely disengaging. You got to stay in gear, but you got to ask her, what do you need? What do you need today? And she's probably not even going to know sometimes. I don't know. Okay, cool. I'm going to check in four times. And what you're doing right now, man, is all you're doing is taking that energy and that love and that commitment that you have for her and you're channeling it like a laser right into her heart and she's going to tell you how to get there. Because Instagram can't tell you the way your dad did it can't tell you. She is. That's your wife. You see the, you see the difference? Yes. And bro, I almost lost it all doing the exact same thing, okay? And I want to tell you on the other side of this, everything in my marriage and my life is different because I start the day with how can I love you today? Everything changes because now I've got some direction for this chaotic energy and this insane amount of love and respect that I have for my wife. Now I've got a place to, to channel it because before it was all over the place. So does she, does she still want to be married to you? Yeah. Right now, yes. Okay. You're going to have to dust your, your pants off and stand back up. Because you're talking like a guy that got knocked out. Well, she's always been my everything. And I, I have not had support because I can't turn to her for that support right now. I don't, I don't have a network to lean on. Well, two things. Number one, that's your job to go get that. Okay. Number two... Um, this, this doesn't work if it's one sided all the way. If you go groveling around on your hands and knees saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And she's like, Hmm, that doesn't work. The conversation is how can I love you better today? What do you need from me today? And then she has to ask that question back to you. How can I love you today? And sometimes your answer might be, um, man, I would love just to spend a little time with, with you and not the kids. Sometimes it might be, no, I'm actually really good right now. Can we just watch a show tonight after the kids are in bed? Sometimes it's, I miss you. We haven't had sex in like two weeks. You want to party? Like it can be whatever, but you've got to be honest and state it out loud and just say it. And I think I've said this on the show before. I can't tell you how embarrassed I was. And now I'm embarrassed that I was embarrassed because it's stupid but it was after 15 or 16 years of being married and, and things got really rough 
that I finally said out loud, I worked so hard for you. I wish you would just say the words, I'm proud of you. I think we're in, I'm in a similar situation. Okay. You got to say that out loud. And you also have to be willing to admit, I did some things that I'm not proud of in an effort to keep up appearances. I will never lie to you again. I'll never hide from you again. You see how that's radically different? That's a new identity. I'm going to tell you things even when I don't know how. And I'm going to ask for grace on the back end of those conversations, but I'm not ever going to hide a thing from you again. And that means you have to deal with shame. That means you have to deal with when things go wrong or you get fired or you get in trouble or you don't get the promotion you thought you were going to get. You got to go home and say it. And then she's going to feel safe. Not that, oh no, we lost a job. She's going to feel safe that that guy tells the truth. I can anchor into that guy. And we are going to figure out what happens next together. That's marriage. That's not one dude trying to be a hero, trying to save everything. Now, I'll say this. I think your marriage um, is going to be extraordinary. Because I think you're all in. And I think you've got the passion and the love and the connectivity with this woman. And if you've told me the truth, then I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, I can't see you. So I'm just going to, uh, uh, I'm going to take you at your word. If you're a guy who's been telling the truth, take it one step further and say, I know what I did was wrong and I'm sorry. I will never lie to you again. How can I love you today? And it sounds so elementary. You sh I should be able to know how to love my wife. You don't. Most of us don't. I should be able to, to meet my husband's needs. You don't know. You can't if he doesn't tell you what they are. If y'all will practice those steps, little bitty steps, and there's going to be some days that this comes crashing back on her and she gets sad and upset and frustrated. That's okay. That happens. That's life. There's going to be some days that you wake up and you're bathing in shame because I should be so much further ahead in my career, financially. That's fine. That'll happen. So I need a couple of buddies that you can call and go hang out with. Commit. How can I love you today? And here's how you can love me today. It's an incredible dance. It's an incredible dance. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Be honest. How often do you find yourself pausing in the middle of a day and it feels like there is so much going on? And you find yourself wondering, what would I do with just a spare hour or 30 minutes? Can you even imagine? And it's in these moments that we often realize we're living someone else's life. Everyone else's schedules, priorities, and emergencies are driving our lives, and we can't keep carrying this load for everyone and everything. And it's in these moments when it feels like too much or when you need some help parsing through all the chaos that talking to a professional therapist can be a game changer. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you have with boundaries, time, commitments, and your own self-worth. And that can be in relationships with your friends, people at work, your significant other, or even how you can make and keep commitments with yourself. Therapy can be amazing for figuring out what even makes you happy anymore and how to go make it happen. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, try BetterHelp. Because therapy isn't just for people who've experienced trauma. It's great for building skills so you can be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is completely online, so it's flexible enough to fit your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. 
Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, it's time for everybody's favorite segment. Facts are your friends. (laughs) Cue the Camaro music. Are personality tests accurate? Are online mental health assessments worth the zeros and ones they are printed on the internets? Oh, boy. All right, so get your... um, I don't believe you. Get them all ready, because here we go. Can you trust personality tests is the name of this article from Psychology Today. Are personality tests accurate from Psychology Today? Betterhelp.com, personality test accuracy and practical uses. On and on and on and on. There are a million of them. Myers-Briggs, let's see here. The Disc Assessment, Winslow, Hexaco, Big Five, Little Five. Uh, There's not a Little Five. But um, there's also, I'm going to lump these all into a a bucket here. There's also, let me say it this way. It used to be the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. The manual that medical practitioners and mental health practitioners use to make mental health diagnosis. It's a, it's a big medical book. It's got diagnostic codes in it. It's got all this medical language and jargon. It used to be, like when I was in grad school, we had to spend, I don't know, it was a couple hundred bucks, I think, to get, to get it. And you have to learn how to read it. And you got to learn how to use it. Now it's just on the internet. Everybody... So there was, there's no context anymore. Everything's stripped of context, and it's just Googling. Do I have ADHD? And here's a 10-question quiz on Facebook. Or do I have borderline personality disorder and comorbid anxiety and major depressive disorder? And I'm just going to Google it. And then there's these tests you can take online while you're on the toilet, and it will just tell you, like, oh, I got um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Or I've got... I don't know, agoraphobia, whatever the thing is. <sighs> so here's my thoughts on these. And we've talked about them a little bit um, in the past. And so I want to be pretty clear about it. Here's some things. Uh, let me look at some of these things we printed off here. Um, in t- a 2018 article in Scientific American offered a harsh review of Myers-Briggs and other personality tests. Essentially, they're saying there is zero science to back them up. None. None. Some have come back and said, well, that, I mean, that article was a little bit harsh. There's some stuff. There is some utility. There, it, there is some good information out there. Um, there is no studies saying that they're not great. Ugh. Another, here's, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take a quick left turn here. I can go through all these, but I think I'm going to save us all a bunch of time. Here's the deal on personality tests on online mental health diagnostic tools. Number one, they can be fun. It can be fun. When I have my magical time and I'm late for the 17th time that day for something, it can be fun to, to ask myself, what is wrong with me? And to Google, do I have ADHD? And to take a 10-question thing. Or maybe by now, they maybe even uploaded some of the... Uh, Clinical assessments. Cool. That can be fun. 
They can also give a baseline for conversation. So I can go to my therapist and say, hey, I took this 10 question thing. It said I scored a 10 out of 10 on ADHD. I would love to find out if this is what I have. And I learned, love to learn about ADHD. And then more importantly, learn how I can live my life based on this, on this new insight. Great, cool. They should not be used in any sort of concrete predictive way. Same with personality tests. I'm an ENFP or an ISTJ or whatever the thing is. Cool. It's a self-reporting tool. It's the way you think you show up in the world. And by the way, every time I've given one of those, every time I've taken one, I mean, every time I've taken one of those, strengths, whatever the thing is, people around me always say, John, no, you don't. You do it like this. And I think, man, I came on, I, I come on really hard when I answer questions. I'm harsh. And they'll say, you're like the nicest guy I know. Or I'll say, like, I'm like the nicest guy I know. And they're like, ah, you're kind of the worst, right? Other people, other people are often infinitely more reflective about how you show up in the world because they experience you. And so, They can be fun, but they shouldn't be used in some predictive way. You shouldn't not hire somebody because they have the wrong letters from an internet test. You shouldn't fire somebody because they have the wrong letters from an internet test. That's poor management. That's poor leadership. You should not marry somebody because of the wrong Enneagram number. You shouldn't not marry somebody because they have different big fives than you do or a different love language than you do. Don't use these for diagnostic tools. Only use them for reflection. For looking in the mirror and going, huh. It feels like it nails me. Feels like it sums it up. That's a good thing. In our culture, we are terrible about being reflective. We're so concerned with how other people make us feel. We're so concerned with our latest outrage. the, The latest thing we are... Um, you know, offended by. By the way, I was having this conversation this weekend with a friend. In the new attention economy, so let's say 150 years ago, you had the town crier. You had the kid that came out on the corner, you know, with the newspaper saying, hear ye, hear ye, here's what's going on in the world. And you had to get up and go see what was going on. You had to bring your attention to the info. Now, they're... News is everywhere. It's just pumped into your head 24-7, 365. It's on every screen. And I'm beginning to wonder if the the way I counteract, in the past, the way I counteracted the world, the way I handled the world was by getting the information. Now, the way I protect myself is to walk away. In an attention economy, the greatest way I can hurt somebody's business isn't to comment on everything and to stamp and scream and yeah, it's to walk away. Just to walk away. But that's about being reflective. How do you show up? How do you answer? How do you feel when you, how do you experience the world? Cool. These things are good for that. They're good to discuss with friends and colleagues uh, to get some ideas on how you might be viewing yourself incorrectly or on how you can double down on the things that you're good at. That's awesome. That's very good. It's very good. I never understood. I was, uh, one of the strengths quests was a maximizer. Until, Until I took that thing and it said, you're a maximizer. You look at somebody's idea and you say, man, this could be this. I never thought of that. That was right. I do feel that way a lot. That doesn't mean I don't have my own ideas. That doesn't mean my maximization is always correct. 
That doesn't mean I have permission to be late to everything. The number of times, I, especially when, when like Strings Quest first came out, and I would have an employee and be like, hey, you've been late five days in a row. I'm like, hey, sorry, bro. I'm a, I'm a maximizer. I got to wait till the good ideas are there. And then I, no, you got to be on time. Got to be on time. So let me say this profoundly and boldly. Never diagnose yourself from the internet. Ever, 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 ever. Always see a professional medical or mental health practitioner. Full stop. End of story. Don't, don't, don't get on the internet at 2 a.m. when you can't sleep and start Googling because you're going to figure out you've got 40 different diagnostics, 40 different quote-unquote mental health issues, which I don't even like that word. In addition to training, professionals have wisdom. They've seen lots and lots of other people. If you go back and listen to this show over the last couple of years, the one thing I love to bring to people is social norming. You're not crazy. There's a whole bunch of people experiencing the world just like you. You're not broken. Your body's just trying to take care of you. And so a mental health practitioner can contextualize something. You may feel like you are out of control. They'll look at you and go, you're good. You're good. I asked one of the guys who trained me recently. He was in town, Nashville, Dr. Young, and we had dinner. And I said, hey, is like once and for all, I trust trust him. Is oppositional defined disorder, is that real? I, I hear data on one side. I hear conversations with practitioners on the other side. Here's what he said. He said, yep, it's real. And you've never seen it. I said, what do you mean I've never seen it? I've seen five, fifth graders and five-year-olds losing their mind. And he said, until you've been in a psych ward and there's six grown men unable to hold down a seven-year-old who's literally able to pull a door off of its hinges, like... It's real. You've probably just never seen it. That's the difference between, or go to work when you do uh, your, your mental health um, degree, when you get your mental health graduate degree and you go do some time in a, a, a psychiatric hospital or a um, you know, mental health ward. Oh, <laughs> that's what major depression looks like. There's context there. Don't go to the internet. Okay? We used to know who we were in relationship to others. One of the most brilliant minds, I think, is a guy named Andrew Peterson. He's a songwriter and author. He says, your community defines your calling. Your community, the people you love and interact with and talk to and experience every day will tell you, man, you're you're not going to want a job where all you do is budgets sitting at a table all day. You're going to go crazy. You don't need some, some faceless, mindless computer program to tell you what your personality is. Ask the people around you. Ask your friends. And if you don't have those people, let this be a sign. Go get those people in your life. Find a mentor that will tell you. Dude, I, I think your strengths are this. Let's discuss that. Let's have these conversations. Real people and real friends. So have fun with personality exams or personality tests. Have fun with them. Get online and see with one of these internet quizzes if you might have generalized anxiety disorder. Cool. Ask a friend. And then go see a professional. Go talk to somebody with training and expertise and wisdom and context. 
That's the path to getting well. Not trying to solve this with the internet. We'll be right back. Here we are in the middle of Lent. Lent is one of the cornerstones of the Christian faith. It's a time of reflection, taking a hard look at our lives, prayer, fasting, and more. Lent is about finding meaning, purpose, discipline, finding connection with God, and finally, letting go of trying to control everything. If you've grown up in a Christian faith and you've heard about Lent, and this year you want to jump in with both feet, or if you're not a person of faith at all and you've always wondered what your coworkers are talking about during the season, my friends at Hallow have created the 40-Day Lent Prayer Challenge. I went through the Lent reflection today on my own. It's already an extraordinary walk through 40 days of meditating and making changes in our lives. The 40-day challenge is about transformation, and Hallow has created a path with Lent-themed music, stories, prayers, and even some special things for your kids. I am personally going through the challenge, and I hope you'll join me and millions of others across the globe. Hallow is the number one prayer app in the world, and for listeners of the show, you get three free months of Hallow, all 10,000-plus prayers, meditations, music, and lecture series, and more, all of it, by going to hallow.com slash Deloney. That's three free months of the app at hallow.com slash Deloney. Let's go out to Tessa in Coeur d'Alene. What's up, Tessa? How are we doing? Hey, John. How's it going? I, I mean, literally could not be better. How are you? <laughs> I am doing good. Excellent. First off, I want to say thank you. Your show has made me a better person, a better wife, and a better mom. That's the nicest thing I think anyone's ever said to me. And my wife even said, I do. And this, what you just said, I think was nice. Man. It's true. You've gotten me out of my box for sure and made me think about things I never thought I could. Well, you, you hey, listen, I run my mouth on a podcast and on a YouTube. You actually are out there doing it. So thank you. You're the hero here, man. It's awesome. So what's <laughs> Thanks, up? John. So as you would say, I think, <laughs> I found myself in a situation not by my hand. Or in, yeah, not by my hand, but in my lap. Oh no! What happened? Um, my kids recently have been playing with the neighbor boy, which we've lived in this house for seven years. And I have a seven and a five year old, and they've just started noticing the neighbor boy across the street who moved in about six months after us. So basically, the whole time we've been here. Okay. Um, he's nine. So as of like two weeks ago, we thought, okay, like they started noticing him. They could probably play together as long as. I felt comfortable as long as I could see my kids mm-hmm. and they were on my property. So okay. we from five acre parcels out kind of in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> okay. That's where, that's where I'm at. So you don't, you don't, you don't have a relationship like with the parents and whatnot. Um, up to this point, it's all been a negative relationship with the parents. They've okay. called the cops on us because my dog got hold of their chickens after I had reached out to them. I mean, Tessa, like, hey. it's kind of, I mean, you got to call the cops. That's her chicken. Okay. I'm just kidding. So I saw that dead chicken. So I text them. I was like, Hey, do you have chickens? I just saw a chicken. Like we'll make it right. No response. The cops just got called. <laughs> and what's the and, lesson uh, here, Tessa? Just eat the chicken. Jeez. <laughs> just don't message your neighbor. That's no bueno. That's not good. I'm sorry. Okay. So, yeah. um, so, so y- y'all aren't super tight, but then your daughters who are seven, is that right? Yeah. Five and seven. Okay. And to see this handsome little neighbor boy. This is how Dawson's Creek starts, by the way. And right. so then you say it's cool, but they got to be on your place. Yeah. So okay. our property opens up straight to their house. So like 
a very open field. We have a place at trampoline, all like the cool stuff, you know? So it's like, okay, come over here. You guys can play as long as I can see you. And if they're riding their bikes, they have walkie-talkies. So like we can communicate. Okay. Um, and so they start playing with this little boy. So I need your help, John, to figure out where's the line on calling in the troops versus just kind of keeping an eye on the situation. Okay. So a <clears throat> um, couple days ago, they were out playing with him. And another little neighbor boy down the street drives by in his dad's truck. And the neighbor across the street goes, I, I want to kill him. <clears throat> and my girls are like, uh, I'm not totally sure the situation against five and seven relaying it to me. But then that same day within, within like a half hour time frame, that little boy now comes up to our house to play. And the boy number one, let's call him, says, let's play the who wants to kill your mom game. And this call is taking a, dra- a turn. I was not. I, I thought you were going to say, like, your daughters thought this boy was cute. Not that he was. No, psychotic. John, like, okay. this, is, this is a really, like, serious situation for sure. Yeah. And, like, over the weekend, my daughter came to me. So, like, kind of a little, little more history on this. My daughter came to me and said, hey, mom, I want to shoot a bird. Or can we shoot birds, something like that? And I was like, wait, we don't just shoot animals to kill animals. We, we shoot to provide for our family, mm-hmm. but we don't just shoot to kill. And I was like, but if you want to shoot a gun, Ev, like, um, we, can tar- we can shoot targets. Like, we have targets in the backyard, like mm-hmm. a safe area. When dad comes home, we can totally go shoot targets. I was like, but we don't shoot animals just to kill an animal. So, like... I'm learning that she got that from him. Uh, Eva, okay. she, my daughter's like, well, the neighbor boy says he goes in his backyard and shoots birds. Yeah. And then last summer, um, we saw him riding his bike with a BB gun in his hands. And he actually shot at a dog on my property that was tied up, just hanging out. Yeah. Sheesh. So I'm like, I'm like, Oh my gosh. So now all these like stars are lining and there's who wants to shoot your mom game. Fast forward back to this other day. It's the two boys. I guess, and my girls are there. These boys are nine and 10, so older than my kids. And they said, who wants to play the shoot your mom game? And they said, raise your hand if you want to shoot your mom. And then both boys raise their hand. And my son just goes, mom, we didn't raise our hand. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is the situation I find myself in is where do I go? Because we live out in the middle of Idaho. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all have guns. It's so it's just the way it is. And no, I, Our I guns totally are understand that. Safely yeah. locked up. Sure. I don't know if my neighbor has a shotgun by his front door that his kid to get, could get to. You know, or right. like I don't know what happens in their house. All I know is what happens in mine. Right, and that's really all you can protect, right? Right. So. So. I, walk, I, let's walk backwards here. Okay. okay. And I think you've got a um, a good moment in time right now. Um, yeah. Are your kids in school? They are. Okay. Does this little boy go to school? Say that again? Does this little boy go to school? Yes. They actually go to different schools. My kids are in a charter school and he goes to the public school. Okay. So that might be your best friend right now. So in a I normal so. situation, and I, I actually think... Um, I think it's, if you have a great relationship with your neighbor, 
or a terrible relationship with your neighbor, something like this is not going to hurt it either way because it just is. Okay. Right? And yeah. so as a parent, no matter how sideways things get, and I also understand rural communities and there's just people that live out on their land and don't want nobody on their land. And you know, I, they just do life very, very differently. Okay. I get that. Right. I live out in the woods too. So, um, I do think, and I just want to, I just want to, I think there's a humane thing, which is I'm going to tell mom and dad, Hey, your son's talking about guns, shot a dog on a property. Like talking about killing your mom, talking about shooting and killing a neighbor boy. Like in the world we live in now, I just need to right. make y'all aware of that. And they may tell you to go to hell and you get off our property. What are you, some kind of liberal free? Like well, they can say all that stuff. That's a, that's mm-hmm. a, that's how they get to choose how they respond. They mm-hmm. may abuse this little boy and beat the tar out of him. How dare you How whatever, or maybe, maybe they say, Oh, he's, he's picking up a lot more. We need to get these guns locked up. Yeah, probably not, but maybe. Right. And so I think that's the, the place where we're going to start. I would not quite honestly, I wouldn't let my kids play with him. That was one of my other questions too. Yeah. Um, I, and, and here's the thing. I think your seven-year-old and I think your five-year-old are old enough for you to say very basically, my job is to keep you safe. And if boys are talking about shooting people and wanting to kill people, then you will not be playing with them. It's my job to keep you safe. And so you are making yourself the bad guy and you are making yourself the, the responsible parent putting a boundary up. Okay. And, and I, I would just hold to it. And if he comes over, I would say, Hey, we're, we're not going to, we're not playing right now. Thank you so much. And he needs to go home. So actually we had that conversation with them um, yesterday. Okay. And John, again, when I go back to that beginning comment I made where you've changed my life, mm-hmm. like you've made me a better mom. My kids, when I told them, I basically asked them, um, what's my job as a mom? And they both said to keep us safe. And oh, keep awesome. us healthy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then when we told them that we weren't going to be playing with them anymore, my seven-year-old goes, mom, it doesn't, it's not just sad for him. It's sad for us. And my five-year-old goes, yeah, it's really sad that he made that choice. I'll get you mom of the year, Tessa. So I was honestly shocked when they put the blame on him and not on us. They, they understand that he's choosing to not play with y'all because he's talking about killing people. Right. Now here's the, I think I, I, Maybe I'm cynical at this point in my life. I, I don't think the conversation with mom and dad is going to go great. I just don't. Um, and it, it, it may just not go great. But I think mm-hmm. it's worth having it nonetheless. And even telling them, we love your kid. We love your son. It's all good. But in this day and age, I just we just need to say something. The okay. second thing is, um, and, and, and let, me, let me tell you this. Let me back up a little bit. So as a, as a school administrator which I was, or as a crisis responder. Here's what I'm always looking for. I'm always looking for trends, particularly escalations or de-escalations, okay? So you got a kid who makes a a throwaway statement. I want to kill that kid. Mm -hmm. Well, that can be a rural hillbilly, I'm going to kill that guy, right? That can be his mom and dad yelling at the, I'm going to kill that politician kind of stuff. That could just be Mm -hmm. rural speak. Then who wants to play, I want to kill my mom game. And yeah. then I'm going around and there's some language about violence escalation in kids and it starts with hurting animals and it escalates from, yeah. uh, it escalates in size to now I'm shooting the neighbor's dog just not to, not even, here's the thing, 
not even to kill it or not even to eat it. It's just to watch it hurt, right? I'm Mm -hmm. shooting an animal just to shoot it. Now we're getting into this psychopathology. We're moving over into like what I'm seeing is I'm feeling as you're telling me this an escalation here. Right. And when you look back, almost every active shooter, let me put a caveat. No, no one's saying this kid's going to be an active shooter. But when you look backwards, the number of people who come out from the woodwork and be like, oh, they told me this or they texted me this or I knew about this or they mentioned this or they just bought that. Very, very rare does something just come out of the blue. Once people have are able to look back and see all the puzzle pieces that they weren't putting together because they didn't know they were having a puzzle. Okay, so I think there's an escalation here that is that demands your intervention. So good for you. I think your main intervention is going to be with the school. And that was going to be my question, too. Yes, I would call the school counselor and say, I'm the mother of a five year old and a seven year old who go to X school. Our neighbor plays. They go to your school. Um, He's made multiple suggestions that he's going to kill a schoolmate kill a mom. He shot things with a BB gun on my property. He's talking to my kids about just shooting animals. Um, In this day and age, I just want to make you guys aware. And they may not even be able to because of uh, FERPA, uh, Federal Education Rights and Privacy. They may not even be able to confirm he's a student there. Cool. That's their deal. But you'll know I let them know. And here's where that's a gift for them. They may have a teacher who put in a file, this kid keeps talking about shooting everybody. And they may have a PE teacher that had to pull him aside and say, so you're, you're adding um, a data point to an entire picture that they have on this particular young, young man. Or okay. it may be the first time, and then they're going to reach out to the teachers and say, you guys have any worries about this kid? And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, this kid's crazy. You should read this poem he wrote or the story he wrote. And suddenly you're able to head something off at the pass. Okay. Hear what I'm saying? Yeah, I actually, so I... Um, I'm in the community right now. Like I'm a board member on like a foster care, um, organization here. Mm -hmm. And one of our board members is a mental health specialist in the school district. Okay. And so I reached out to her and she, she also recommended contacting CPS as well as the school. Okay. Would you recommend CPS at this point too? Um, I I mean, it's such a touchy subject. Like that's, yeah. Um, here's what I'm, I'm never going to do is, well, I, I say never, sometimes there's just idiots, but, um, I'm, if you have a local mental health practitioner that suggests that their CPS needs to be involved in this, then I would. Okay. Um, or if you have any sense that you've got parents that you're dealing with that, um, don't care what their kids doing, their kids coming over to your house at 1130 PM, or kids out there shooting stuff at 4 a.m., right? It's just, there's, okay. the, the kid is basically feral, right? He's got no boundaries, no no adult intervention in his life at all, then yes. Because because what we're with CPS, what we're looking at, Child Protective Services, is is there neglect or is there abuse going on? Are parents not doing their due diligence with a child? And letting the kid run around and go, I'll even say this, in this for those of you who live in suburban ne- neighborhoods or who live in like in big cities, Nine-year-old kids with a BB gun out on a five-acre farm yeah. is not weird. It's just not weird. Um, and I know that sounds bizarre, um, but it's just, it's not weird. But shooting a dog on a neighbor's property is, is like, I, like to put that in perspective, 
I don't think like I've, my son hunts with me. My son, um, I mean, I, I've tried to teach him at a very, very young age, um, all the safety and all the stuff. I don't think it would even enter his mind. Like it would, it, 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 that would be like an alien invasion. It would never <laughs> come into his brain to shoot a dog, right? Especially a neighbor's dog, especially just a dog. Like it would never, it's not, a, it's not a normal thought process is what I'm saying. Okay. So there's something not right. Um, if your local, if your local mental health supervisor says you can call CPS, then call CPS. Okay. Um, if if I I'm, I would probably lean on doing that after I talk to the parents because you'll gauge their response. Although, and know this, it's a declaration of war for neighbors. Right. You know, yeah. you, you can call the cops on my kids. I mean, then it's just a whole other. It's Hatfield and McCoys at that point. Um, yeah, I actually already called the non-emergency hotline. Okay. Um, and and they said, well, where you live, honestly, all we deal with is domestic violence and drunk driving. Yeah. That this because he didn't have a gun in his hand when he said those words. That's right. There's no immediate threat. Yeah. Rule. Rule. America gets the short end on a lot of sticks, man. Right. Yeah. Super under resourced and a lot of mental health challenges and a lot of addiction and a lot of just innate um, generational struggles, man. Yeah. That. Uh, there's not a lot of people looking at the children saying, hey, if we if we invest here, if we get involved here, we can stop a whole lot of downstream challenges. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm hesitant. Here's why I'm hesitant. Because I just know that this, this is going to be tough on y'all. Right. And the chances of him be- being a serial killer are, are statistically very, very, very low. Mm-hmm but we're in a day and age where we have to make that phone call now. Yeah. And we have to have that conversation. And, um, I hate that you're in that position. Yeah. It's kind of taken over my whole week. <laughs> As you can imagine. Yeah. So <laughs> let, let me give you some wisdom there. When these kind of things spin up, I would get out a note card or a piece of paper and write down the four or five phone calls you need to make and put little tiny boxes next to them and just start making those phone calls. Because okay. right now, what you're going to say and who you're going to call and how it just starts to take over your whole body. Yeah. And you're watching a show, and then you're googling who should I call, and you're like your husband's like wants to hang out and party, and you're like, well, and you're scrolling on like it just kind of takes you, it just pulls you away from it, you from life. So yeah. I, I'd put it on there, just go have the conversation across the street, just go ahead and talk to the school, and maybe the school will call CPS, and they can hold some of that. Um, they can hold some of that responsibility or at this point, honestly, when I just, I mean, what goes on in my community just recently, I, I don't care about right. the blame anymore. I just want kids to be safe. I'm just kind of tired of it. Yeah. It really sucks. Cause I mean, I'm sure I, I don't, I'm sure he's a good kid underneath it. I mean, he's a kid. He's a kid. Yeah. That's and right. So I would love for him to like be able to just hang out and play. Like I can't subject my kids to it though. And mm-hmm. that's like the thing I keep tossing back and forth in my head is, kids are kids and I just want to love them because they're kids. Mm-hmm. But I also can't put my kids in that right. situation. You have, a, you have a responsibility to your family and to your kids to keep them safe. And the extension as by having kids, one of the things I say all the time is my kids are your kids and your kids are my kids, man. I, I need your kids to be safe too. And so because I'm a parent in the community, I also have to make sure that I'm doing what I can in my limited role. I'm not overzealous and I'm not trying to control what I can't control, but I'm going to do my part to make sure the other kids in the community are safe too. And at this point, 
when you've got a kid across the street who has shown that he's just going to recklessly shoot animals, that he brags about killing things just to kill them, when he talks about killing some a uh, classmate, when he talks about killing his mom, and want to play a game about killing his mom, and he's trying to recruit, like, um, yeah, it's just time to make some phone calls. Time to make some phone calls. The one thing I'll walk back, uh, and again, this um, I'm thinking about all this in real time. I, I do have a, um, I do have a policy, just a personal policy, that I only talk when I can be heard. I only speak when I can be heard. And if you get in a few seconds that your neighbors have no interest in talking to you, get off our property, you scumbag. We don't want to talk to you. Whatever. Um, then they're choosing to not engage with you in a very difficult conversation that needs to be had. And I'll honor that, but I'm going to go do what I need to do. And I'm going to call the school. I'm going to call CPS. I'm going to call my local mental health authorities. And I'm going to make sure this kid gets the help that he needs before he hurts himself or he hurts a whole bunch of other people. You are mom of the year, Tessa. You're mom of the year. Thank you so much for loving your kids, loving your community, and loving that little nine-year-old boy that's living across the street. Whew, let me know how it all goes. I'm interested to see how it plays out. And uh, I'll report back to everybody. These don't always have a great ending. And so uh, thank you so much for being brave. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, we are back. Hey, instead of lyrics, we got more great news. If you remember back, it's about a year ago now, Elizabeth called in and she had been smoking weed every day for how long, Jenna? Years, right? It was uh, probably more than 10 years, Ten, yeah. I think, at that point. Husband was an addict, and she was just done. Just done. Actually, I'm going to take that back. He wasn't an addict. He was struggling with addiction. I've had some people in the addiction community reach out and say, hey, man, it, it means to, a lot to us if you say it this way instead of that way. So I want to honor that. So her husband was struggling with addiction. He'd been smoking weed forever, too. And then she called into the show. She started changing her life. And then she reached back out and we had her back out on the show that she was seven or eight months sober, hadn't touched it. And she was excited that she was pregnant. And one of the reasons she wanted to quit all this stuff is she had, she wanted to have a baby. She wanted to change her life. She wanted to start a family. And so on March 19th, Elizabeth, a year plus sober now, has a beautiful little girl. Is that it? Baby girl, yeah. Beautiful baby girl. And we're, we just want to celebrate. We've been on this journey with her. And her husband is three months sober. Is that right? Yep, three months sober. He stopped smoking to prepare for the arrival of their daughter. Mm -hmm. And then since then, he hasn't gone back to it. And if there's ever a time, it's right after you have a baby. You have right? a newborn, yeah. <laughs> Man, I, I, it's, it's these moments when people listen to the show and they call in and they walk alongside us and we walk alongside them and they say, never again. And they start these practices and they start taking care of themselves. And you look up a year later and there's a healthy baby and two sober parents and three people creating a life into the future. That's going to change everything for everybody. Incredible. Incredible. So congratulations, Elizabeth. 
to her amazing husband, to this beautiful little girl who's got the greatest mom and dad in the world, except for me and my wife, because we're kind of awesome. Congratulations. And I don't know how we, how do we end this now? Just crank the music up? Crank it up, Ben! Hey, y'all stay in school, be nice to each other, be kind. Tip well today. Pay for somebody's gas just at the pump next year's. Just go over there and put your uh, debit card in there and pay for it. Just be cool. High five them and walk away. Let's change this world one person at a time. We'll see you soon.